Welcome everyone to Overcome Podcast. Uh, in today's episode, uh, I have great guests uh, from the Holy Land, Israel, uh, Amit Boron and Tomer, which I will not try your last name, but you can say your last name. <laughs> Tomer Alvarez. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for uh, thank you very much for joining. Um, um, and uh, I have a, a lot of questions about uh, not only jiu-jitsu but sports in general because I know that uh, you you are you were at least the uh, coach of the year in 2018, 2021, and 2022. And I'm I'm gonna start with you since you have such a vast bet background. Um, when you are training your athletes, um, we all know that jiu-jitsu is not everything. There is a lot of mindset involved in, in the, the um, psychological aspect uh, for the athlete. So when you are working with athletes, what are some of the attributes that you are looking for in an athlete? I think uh, the things uh, in the national team in Israel that we start very young with the, the guys. We start with the athlete in 10, 12 years old. We start to put them in competition like four, five, six times per year. And we start to work about the mentality. So we have a program about, we start from young age to juvenile and after this to 21 and after this to adult. And uh, in the national team, we work a lot with a lot of coach, not only a jiu-jitsu coach. So we have every, uh, every, uh, every, uh, how do we say this, uh, Tomer, every, call me Ktsoa? We have a coach for every profession. Every professional. So, so we have many guys to work with the kids until they start to be adult. So after we work so many years with the guy until he come adult, we put him so strong that he can compete like every week and he can bring results in the national team. In the beginning, it started to be hard, but now we are, after 15 years already, the team is very strong now. That's nice. So you see competition as something extremely important uh, for your athletes to compete all year long or you, like for example, white belts, do they compete all the, uh, uh, from the beginning or as a white belt or you, you wait until they are at least blue belt to start competing? I think for kids, when you start to compete on kids and after this you start to be adult, you don't have the feeling. If you go like you take uh, one guy like 25 years, he start to train like six months and you put him to, to compete, he's going to be a lot of nervous. Mm -hmm. He's going to scare He's gonna, uh, he's gonna go every minute to the toilet. He start to talk about the competition uh, three days before. He don't sleep. But if you take a kid like six, seven, ten, twelve years old, and he compete a lot, and when he come adult, he don't feel the pressure. Yeah, that's a good. He feel like he is in home. Mm -hmm. So after this, the results will come. Because if the athlete will fight the same like he trained, the results come. That's a great point, uh, Tomer. Do you train only kids or do you also train adults, like people that start jiu-jitsu late in life, right? Because, of course, the ideal scenario is you start as, as a kid, but what about the masters? Do you also train masters? In, in, in our national team or in our, in our, in our gym? gym. That's, uh, 
he tell me, yes. Amir, I don't remember nothing, nothing. I go to the triangle, I tap, and I go out. <laughs> and, and this is happened when a, a, a old guys, like an adult, start to train uh, late and compete. This is happened. But if you, even if you are 21, 24, and start to compete, and you compete a lot, it's going to pass. And, and the pressure will be nice. Yeah, I, I mean, I, and I ask those questions because I started jiu-jitsu after 40s. Um, so to me, it's, it was really crazy when I compete for the first time. The nerves were, were really bad. And it's still bad, but I'm getting a little bit better. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing struggle. Because as Tomer said, we cannot go full in um, to avoid injuries and I got injury already a lot of times had had uh, two surgeries because of uh, injuries in, in jiu-jitsu so I understand how hard it is to try to push yourself after after the age of 40 uh, the recovery is not the same sure and and uh, I think after you compete a lot you know what to do before the fight to don't give you nervous. Some guys lo love music. The other guy love to do yoga. The other guy love to warm up. I know guys who like to roll. Take another guy and rolling. I know one guy of my team, he don't like to do warm up. He put the music seat, the guy call him, he come to the fight. So after you have experience, you know what to do before the fight. That's, yeah. Each, each person is a... You, what you, what do you like to do before the fight? Uh, I like to stay quiet, isolated. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I I try many things. I try to listen to music. I try uh, other things, but I, it feels like the what really works for me is just to stay isolated in the in the corner and uh, think about what uh, what's gonna have what I'm gonna do. You know, uh, trying to rehearse my game plan, which of course. You have a game plan until something happens and everything goes away. <laughs> <laughs> or the other guy is better than you. So yeah. even if you do everything correct, sometimes you lose. Yes. Uh, and that's the other thing, right, that I also learned with jiu-jitsu is that uh, once you start incorporating the mindset that you never lose, you either win or you learn, it starts to feel more progressive, right? And I think that this is an important lesson because most of the most of my big lessons were when I lost and I, I, I think you all agree with that right yeah 100% Tom and I have I think a lot of things to talk about this yeah I think when you know when you win everything is not right and when you lose everything is not worse you know, everything not everything is worse you know um, you, you can fix your even if you win you can have some stuff to fix about your game about the way you fight about the way you felt during or before the fight when you lose everything uh, not everything is uh, you know black you can find some some good ways that okay like I, I executed my game plan but the guy was better than me so I need to fix my guard retention or whatever happened in that in that fight you know? but do, do you so, also agree that the biggest lessons are usually learn when you lose Uh, I mean, you. I, I. I just still think you can learn from both, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I. I yeah. agree. I'm just saying that uh, as a human, when we win, rarely you go back and and revisit 
the reasons why you won. You're like, oh, I won. So it's, it can also be a double sword because some people win, when they win too much, they become cocky. They start to, you know, think that they can always win and they, they stop improving. Of course. Right. That's what I'm saying. You can say the same thing when you lose all the time. Then you say like, I, I, I don't know anything. Right. Yeah. So why, why should I even do it? But when you win, you can look at like, yeah, I submitted the guy, but I could have submitted him like five minutes before because he gave me a ton of options and I didn't capitalize that. Or like I won by submission, but I did many mistakes trying to pass his guard. So I need to fix that. You know, I was better than him. So I eventually won the fight, but I could have won. You know, when you change your mindset into performance-based goal, then achievement-based goal, then then that's where you spike your, your performance. Instead of looking at it as like, I won a medal or I won gold medal, you should look at your performance, how you fought to get that medal. Like, I can win a fight by stalling and, you know, winning maybe by a penalty or like an advantage, or I can focus on being dominated. It's not easy to be dominating. Um, but like recently, like you, you can see about, you can see what happened this uh, weekend at the IBJJF in the Europeans. Mikhail Kavala submitted all of his fights, yeah. right? And I'm, and I'm sure that he, his coach will study his matches and, and maybe identify some mistake that he did that they can fix from this, this uh, run in the Europeans, right? But he can look at these uh, fights and say like, oh, okay, I won everything, I submitted everyone, there's nothing else I need to do. Or focusing on being, um, you know, like the, the GOAT. Mm-hmm. You know? No, yeah, that's a great point. Uh, focus on performance uh, rather than just the results. Uh, and, and this continuous improvement also applies when you win. Um, yes. Now changing a little bit of uh, of a subject and going to physical performance as a whole. Uh, because the, that's the other thing, right, I, I, that I've seen. Some guys, they... they train well and they do really well but when it comes to competition they sometimes they guess out really fast and i i understand that sometimes it's the adrenaline and they are not able to measure the the gas and everything uh i always ask this question and usually the answer is the same but how do you improve your your gas in jiu-jitsu Thomas, you want to talk about this so I mean, usually in the competition, everyone, like 90% of the people have gas. They just um, exceeded or, or put too much effort um, uh, too fast, or they let the feeling of, of running out of gas take over. So, you know, you can get anyone tired in, in 30 seconds <laughs> if you want yeah. to, in 15 seconds. Um, so it's two different questions. Like, how can you improve your cardio, mm-hmm. or how you, or how you can improve your, um, let's say, like performance in the competition? Because for cardio improvement, then you know it's the basic stuff that works. You know, doing, you know, incorporating weightlifting, conditioning training, aerobic training, doing either running, bicycle, um, uh, or swimming. You know, whatever you f- you find more comfortable for you uh, that you. F- that you connect more. Um, of course, you should do more jujitsu. Yeah, you know, more roles, more uh, roles. <laughs> yes, because the same role. That's the biggest problem when you try to measure your your capacity in jujitsu. Is you can do the same five minute role and you can gas yourself out uh, in the first minute because you pushing the you keep pushing the pace, or you can 
you know, just try to stay stable and negate the other opponent game and you can last five minutes. Uh, but it will be the same guy and it's still five minutes. So um, for professional athletes, I would just work with, with the professional coach to improve their cardio. And for competition-wise, I would do a lot of specific training. Mm. You know, you know uh, if I want to improve my aggressiveness, then I will do some short rounds with with um, with we call it like a losing losing scenario where you are down by two points and you have to get your sweep in like two minutes, you know, and then maybe pass the guard, like try to win the fight under two minutes when you're down by two points and you're in your guard, or the same on top, like try to win the fight when you're down by two minutes by two points and you need to pass the other guy's guard. So you're gonna get tired out of that. You're gonna finish those two minutes dead, yeah, right? Yeah. But your mind. You learn how to keep pushing that pace. And on the other side of that corner, um, you improve your aerobic capacity um, in the gym or in, the, in just doing more training. Yeah, the, this scenario, this type of uh, scenario-based training is, is really, really good. As you said, you can easily guess in, in two minutes if you keep the pace yeah. at uh, 110% all the time. Uh, exactly. Yeah, that, that's a great point. I mean, the, and you can stuff to learn how already to... about the cardio is the experience too. You can see the black belt, or you can see a blue or white belt, or purple belt even. In a black belt, they know how to use the cardio to hold the fight, even if it's a 10 minutes. They know how to control the fight, and the guys, you know, don't finish. But if you go to white or blue or purple, sometimes they die after five, two or three minutes. Even this, you need experience. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true, and uh, and uh, and this is, it only comes with time. Uh, of course, some people are gifted to have a really good gas and physical condition, but I think that a lot of this, as you said, comes with experience. How can I save gas and how can I control my breath? I mean, I remember Hickson Grace always talk about uh, how you breathe correctly for jiu-jitsu, right? So I, I think that that's another very important point. Yeah. And, you have, and you have people very smart in a fight they know where to put the pressure if they see submission so they go with all the power and after the sweep they hold the fight give to the time go you know control with the lapel and, and this is experience 100, 100 time is, is experience so I think even today you see uh, in a 10 minutes in IBJJF it's not easy if the, the guy need to do four, five uh, mats, 10 minutes, and if you don't submit the guy, you need to know how to be smart. It's very hard. And I see today a lot of fight, the guy don't submit, they go to the points, and he do one fight, and after this he do another one, another one, and they have guys. Yep. Uh, Israel, Israel is also well known by the great judo team. Uh, Israel judo team is amazing. Uh, they always do well on the Olympics uh, and on, on the Grand Slams International. Um, do you guys emphasize takedowns? Do you incorporate any type of judo training with the jiu-jitsu? Yes, Owen uh, Smadjad is my friend and Shani Ersko. Uh, we do a lot of things together. Uh, the guy is the athlete of the judo, work with the athlete of the jiu-jitsu. We sometimes we train together, sometimes we bring guys to help each other. We meeting, 
we do a plan together the judo is an amazing team and uh, we see a lot of good things in the judo and we take from them and uh, even the judo I think is only the beginning I think in, in a few years you see amazing judo team and amazing jiu-jitsu team yeah and I, I'm pretty sure that you also cross training right like the judo guys go to jiu-jitsu to do the was a specific training on the ground right yes 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 we have a lot of uh, they use uh, a jiu-jitsu guy uh, to teach them uh, in Awaza and when we take a lot of guys from judo to teach us a takedown for jiu-jitsu because we can we use uh, good things for jiu-jitsu not all the takedown you know you have some takedown that you cannot use but, you give the back right. or it's not good for the for the but yes we do a lot of things together the judo team is amazing And the, I believe in this Olympic in Paris, they're going to bring uh, four or five medals. Yeah, I agree. You know, there is a, a lot of great players uh, on the Israeli team, for sure. Um, and, and that brings another point, which is a, a lot of people have different opinions about, which is pool guard. Are you guys against pool guard or pool guard is okay? <laughs> mm. I, I think, Tom, now you need to talk about the UWW. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we compete in a federation that is uh, under the they're under the wrestling federation, under the United World Wrestling. Um, it's a grappling. Uh, there's they have a grappling section, and the rules are pretty much the same for the wrestling, but they adapt a bit. Uh, they adapt the rules a little bit for jiu-jitsu. So, uh, for example, anytime your back is on the mat, it's two points. So if you pull guard, it's two points. Oh, right. But if, let's say if I reverse. The position from mount let's say you mount on me you get four four points but if i bridge and sweep you to close guard it's two points for me mm -hmm. right uh for example or so what you, you what you're saying is that you cannot pull guard then you can but you give up two points okay yeah. well you should not yeah. actually because you're gonna lose two points yeah. yeah i mean yeah uh but your back should be on the mat so if you sit there's, there's no two points, oh, okay okay right? if you have a seated guard But the moment you flip me on my back, it's two points. So, or if I, uh, let's say, like, uh, do a sit-up guard, but then pull to single leg X, then it will be two points if I stay down for three seconds. The point is, is that, um, and they allow reap, and they allow hill hooks now, so it's a little bit more interesting. The fight looks much different because of that, because you're, if you do pull guard, then you're down by points. And if the guy on top is not initiate, initiating any tr passing attempts, then he will get penalties, and those penalties are points. So one penalty is one point for me. So two penalties, we're basically uh, even. And then if I sweep, I win or whatever. So the fights are five minutes in those circle wrestling uh, matches. Um, and if you get out of bounds, then it's one point for the guy who pushes you out of bounds. So there's a lot of action. So it looks way more interesting. So uh, aside from this rule set, what is your general opinion about pool guard? Do you see value from, when you are training your athletes? Do you encourage them to do pool guard or do you always encourage them to take down? That's the thing. It's like, you know, it shouldn't be one-sided, right? Because there's strategies involved, right? You have to understand the rules. The rules for now... For, for most federation, 
the emphasis will be on the guy who pulled guard or the guy who did the first points. So, um, for example, if, if you take me down, then you have, or if you started the match by winning by two points because you took me down, then you have much higher chance to win the fight. The, 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 the ball is in your favor. But when I pull guard, if, if I manage to pull guard before you, then I have, statistically, I have a bit more chances to win. That's why you see more people trying to pull guard. That's why you see more people trying to win those double pull battles. Because they know that the guy on bottom can use his guard to sweep or to submit or to take the back, right? He has a bit more options. When the guy's on top, he can only pass or take the back. Right. Maybe jump on a submission, but you know. So still, what? Like, so what you're saying is that you analyze case by case. You don't have like a preference. No, I would like say bigger people. Then I would tell them to probably try to take down, right? But if you have a big guy who has a really good guard, I will tell them. I will tell him to sweep. I will tell them to pull guard and sweep because mm -hmm. you don't see a lot of, you know, bigger guy with good guard, or I mean flexible. I mean a flexible guard or like a aggressive guard. Right, you don't see a lot of like Victor Hugo people who has really flexible yet a lot of uh, aggressive close guard. Right. right, that's why he's dominating, you know, from bottom. Um, uh, but for the smaller guys, you know, telling them not to pull guard is like kind of anti, anti counterproductive. Counterproductive. Yeah, counterproductive. <laughs> you have to learn both, right? But nowadays you have to learn both. You have to be good on bottom, and you also have to be good on top. But you have to. You see more and more people adapting uh, wrestling, so they pull guard and try to wrestle up. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. I I think if you have a, a double pull, the guy who stand up need to have at least one point. Ah, of course. You have to change. There's a lot of changes for the rules that you you should do. I believe in IBJJF. You need to cut the time to five minutes, and you can rip the leg. Uh, I don't talk about Ilux in the key, but I think you can rip the leg. And if they do double pull and you stand up is one point and you cannot have a referee decision. You need a, a gold time, golden score. You cannot uh, have a referee decision. Referee decision is all the time problem. Yeah. So this is my... That, this that's an interesting point. And, and it's going to be more nice for the TV because you want the sport not only for jiu-jitsu guys. You want a lot of people see the jiu-jitsu. So if you put 10 minutes... And the double pool, nobody care about the sport. Understand? Well, that's that's one of the reasons I think that judo has a way more dynamic rule set because uh, it's action all the time, short period of time, action. The you really cannot stall that much uh, because you're gonna get a shido penalty. And uh, jujitsu, you, you do have a chance to stall way more. I mean, if you are on mount, you can stay there the whole day and there is not even a storm because you, you can just hold it there, right? So I think that uh, uh, that's that's why it's um, judo is more appealing for a non-judo practitioner because they at least know what's going on and they can kind of understand. If you talk about IBJJF, but if you talk about ADCC, or UWW, or even JJIF, uh, the rules is diff you know, different, and they change the rule to five minutes, and more action, and more penalty, and uh, you don't have a, a referee decision, 
I think it is the problem that IBJJF. I think they need to change the rules. But uh, they think like the 19, you need to do the fight 10 minutes, and uh, it's very it's very uh, hard to see a game after game 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need four five minutes, and you have more action. And and sometimes that's what you see. You see in a 10 minutes fight, you see the first five minutes, nothing happens. Uh, just those, those two guys studying each other and, and, and then on the last five minutes you start to see some actions and actually sometimes even on the last two minutes you start to see action <laughs> because they go 50-50 all the time until the end I write with you yeah um, that's great uh, I know that the focus is, is more on, on kids going up to adults and everything but at your gym Amir do you also train um, regular uh, folks that just want to do recreational jiu-jitsu and want to get better? Sure. I have every morning, I have a class in, in the morning for regular people who come. You have one is a lawyer, the other guy is a soldier, the other guy, he, he works in the computer, and the other guy is a, a pilot. Mm-hmm. And we train together easy and uh, we do uh, jiu-jitsu for fun and everybody enjoy and in the evening we have a class the same in the end of the day and I have a lot of guys who do for fun jiu-jitsu but I tell even to this guy I tell them all the time one time you need to put you in competition because you must feel the pressure even this guy who come for fun I push them to do one competition so 19% of my gym compete at least one time <laughs> But it's not a it's you not a pre it's not a prerequisite, right? Uh, it, you probably have someone there that says I don't want to compete. And yeah, yeah, you have you have people who don't compete. But uh, you know, ninety percent yes, ten people who don't want. I don't push too much. You must ask, uh, ask Tomer uh, the first time how I uh, put Tomer to competition. This is a funny story. <laughs> Tell me, Tomer, about that. How was that? <laughs> Yeah, so I was uh, I was training uh, abroad. I was training in uh, Tiger Muay Thai in uh, Phuket, Thailand. Um, I did some MMA and some Jiu Jitsu and some you know a bit of everything. And when I came back after a few months in Thailand, then uh, Amir asked me like, why wouldn't I compete? And I just told him because because I don't want to. I don't like I don't, you know I don't I, I I never competed. I don't think I should and all that excuses and then uh, he just told me about this small competition that they held in Cyprus uh, with like one fight he told me like I was a purple belt back then so he told me are you gonna have like one fight and then we're gonna go out party you know do some jet ski do some water sport you know just you know the competition will be like five minutes so why do you care it's like a one hour away and all that um, I, I don't know how but he kind of like convinced me I said like you know like, fuck it let's go let's try it and all that what I didn't know is that he already talked with my dad to buy me the ticket for the competition before I even said yes. So like, even if I said no, I wouldn't have any choice. So he gave him permission to just get me the ticket. And I had like three fights. I was, no, I it was not fight. just one, it was three. <laughs> yeah. I won, I won gold at the, end, at the end of the day, but you know, I just, it was a good experience. Not, not because I won, because everything, got, it changed my perspective. Well, but that's the, now the, the, the key question. When you got there and you saw that you had three fights, did you get nervous? Well, 
Uh, again, like Amir said before, like you always get nervous. Right, but you, you, know, you were not expecting. Yeah. You were like, "Holy shit, I have actually three. So you, you got a little bit. I, I remember what I told myself back then is like because I was after my after my army service. I told myself that you know I did so many things during my army army service, and so I shouldn't get you know too scared or too nervous from you know fighting a match in a competition. You know, with rules. You know, that worst case you tap. You know. That's what I told myself back then. Like, uh, that's a great point. That's uh, a great point, man. I mean, if you guys uh, have a, a huge advantage of going uh, to army and seeing things that many people across the globe are not able to handle. So competition should not yeah. really be a reason to be nervous. That's absolutely true. But nobody yes. likes to lose, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then when you get better, at the end of the day, you know, you just have to find your motivation, your inner motivation and, and, you know, being, um, you, uh, you know, like loving the opportunity, being thankful for the opportunity to fight instead of like, why uh, I need to fight or I must uh, win, you know, it's a two different uh, approach. I think that this is a, such a great point. Try to enjoy the moment. I remember that I went to my first Master Wars last year in Las Vegas um, and uh, I really didn't enjoy because I was so nervous that I I really didn't like it and I I, I lost the opportunity to enjoy the moment uh, and I will never forget about that. Especially when you're doing Master Wars. I think before a big competition like World Master Wars... No, that was my first one. Your first one in the no, world. no, the first world master. I've done Dallas Open, I've done Oklahoma, I've done other IBJJFs, but this was my first world master, you know. Mm. Okay. I just, I was. So, so I think you need to do some small competition before one big competition. Yeah, I, I needed to, to, I need to, co I need to compete more leading to the world master. That's, that's, that's what I need to do because I did uh, Dallas uh, last year. I think it was March, and then I. I did a big interval and then did the masters in August. So it was a big interval between between one and the other. Uh, I think that that also was a problem. But it, 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 you you lose the first one in the world master. Oh yeah, it was the the first fight. I was out. Yeah. You you remember something from the fight? Or you don't no, I, I remember. It was a huge mistake that I made, and and that was enough. You know. So. Yeah. So we have next. We have this year. Yeah, uh, there is a, as my professor told me when uh, when we left this stage, he said, "Don't worry, Yuri. Every year this this championship is here. So next year you come back. That's it. You know, don't worry about it. it? Yeah. Yes. And that's the other thing that I think is important. I, I really I appreciate a lot my professor, Professor Machado. Uh, he he doesn't put a lot of pressure to win he actually does exactly the opposite he says to me many times don't put pressure on yourself enjoy this that's you know you should be thankful to be here in doing this and and and, and if you win it's great but if you don't win it's, it's okay learn you know i i agree with him 100 i think uh, especially with masters and the people who come to fun they need to enjoy so all the time you need to put in your mind how many people, the people, the regular people, put him to compete in something, even in soccer. 
even I don't know in basketball how many people so after you think about this you understand that you need to enjoy every moment and and after the competition all the time I remember when I compete a lot every competition that I finish I want to compete another one and and this is the good time that you need to put yourself to enjoy with the with the flight with the hotel with your friends all the time take a good people with you if the coach is with you it's better and uh, and to do the the maximum with the competition yeah and i think it's a good lifestyle yeah no you are absolutely correct now uh changing a little bit here we talk about uh game plan strategy physical condition now let's talk a little bit about nutrition um I've been in Israel five times. I love the food, and and mm -hmm. I think that that's one of the reasons why you don't see a lot of fat people in Israel like you see in US. It's because of the great foundation of food. The food is very healthy. Uh, so uh, do you have a, a special type of uh, nutrition plan, or since everyone eats uh, very healthy, you don't really have problems with that? you want to talk about the guy um i mean we our team we we usually work with a nutritionist so he he gave them he gave he gave everyone their uh, uh um their eating schedule or their nutrition that according to what they prefer um so he kind of like adapts uh i don't think there's one um one uh, solution to to a nutrition, you know, so a lot of people try to find like this secret formula or like this secret diet that will help them eat whatever they want to and still lose weight and all that stuff. Uh, so when you choose the diet, I think you should focus on um, how you like how you can maintain it for a long time. Um, personal preferences and 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 consistency. So. Let's say if your working schedule, like I, I know a lot of people that do the like intermediate fasting, the 16-8, mm -hmm. um, but their schedule uh, doesn't allow them to do that. So, you know, maybe they finish finish working really late and they don't get to eat until let's say 11, 11 p.m. 11 p.m. Um, so then they should start eating at around like two or three p.m. Uh, the day after and it's like in insane to do not not insane but it's really hard to yeah, do that yeah. they do like almost like half of their day without eating so it's really hard to adapt that into their lifestyle and then they break and they, they go like really off limits when they stop doing that diet not, not, nothing against the 16-8 I, I did that when I competed uh, Mil does that as well but that works for us that maybe maybe it's not going to work for other people. yeah no i think uh, that this is a, the best point you made is about a nutritional plan is very individual as you said it works for you it works for a mirror but it may not work for someone else so you have to find what really works for you i cannot do intermittent fast i like eating uh exactly. and uh I, i like to eat six times a day three out three meal uh, one meal every three hours it, it just my body works better that way um, and, and in israel the most of the our meetings and our lifestyle is revolves around food yeah. so you don't want to be that 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 guy who never eats lunch with everybody because he needs to start eating at around four yeah. you know 
um, or not eating dinner with everybody because you need to stop eating by 8 p.m., you know? Um, uh, but yeah, same goes with the, like eating sweets or whatever. Like some people need to add those sweets in their, in their diet just to kind of stay mentally sane. Um, uh, so there's no right or wrong with like, you know, of course, like if you do like 100% healthy, then you, you wouldn't add some stuff like that. But there's sustainability uh, that should be added to the mix when you choose uh, your nutrition. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, and uh, your your take on weight cut leading to the competition. You do you try to stay the same weight all year long, or you gain some weight and then you cut for competition? What is usually your strategy? It depends about the competition. You have a competition that is a the main state, like a, a world, a European. And if the weight is uh, one day before, so 24 hours before, so you can cut. And uh, in Israel, because we fight for the national team, so we need points. So if the guy fight uh, 77, so all the men competition, he need to do in 77. Mm -hmm. And he must, to, he must to be, you know, almost all the year in diet. So if he's 85, so you need to be uh, two weeks before the fight 80 and to cut two or three kilo, you know, like sauna or running or sweating. And, and uh, if it's not important competition, like IBJJF for us, it's not so important. So you can fight 85, medium heavy, no problem for us. So it depends what, what is the main goal for my guys. Yeah, and, and IBJJF has another challenge, right? Because you have to wait in right before you, you go to the fight, which is really yeah. complicated because if you go to this mindset of cutting until the last day, then you get to the mat completely tired, no strength, you're just debilitated. Yeah, yeah, we do this when we was young. Uh, some I remember one competition in Germany with Tomer. He do a gi, and after this, he need to cut uh, one or two kilo for the nogi, you know? Yeah, Almost. one and a half. Like one and a half. So he, he, he need to run to the sauna to cut the weight and come back to wait for the nogi. So it's crazy. No, yeah, that's... I, I, in the time, I start to, to understand that you don't need to cut weight if it's the same day. You kill your body, and your performance is not going to be good. I believe you need to do diet to live good, you know, not to put shit in your body. Mm -hmm. But but you need to fight. If you are 85 kilo, fight medium heavy. Don't cut to middle. That that's that's really good. You basically stay on your weight class all year long, and and you have a regular diet and everything. I think that that's way more healthy than keep going up and down, cutting up and down. Cause that's not good. It's not good, and and you see when the even even UFC guys, when they cut a lot of weight, all the years when they gone tired, you gonna see after this 20, 25 kilo more. You see a fat people, not athlete, even a big champion. So the cutting weight kill the body. True, true. Now the question that a lot of people ask me when I went to Israel, uh, and I didn't do it. Because I, I, of course, I, I trained jiu-jitsu when I was there. Uh, but they always ask me, Yuri, this Krav Maga thing uh, from Israel really works? What is, 
do you think Jiu-Jitsu and Krav Maga, which one is better? And I couldn't really answer that question because I was like, I think that they are different situations. Uh, you may apply one over the other, right? That's my take. But what is your take about that? I mean, Krav Maga is so well known uh, to be effective in Israel. But when you compare with Jiu-Jitsu, do you think that one is better than the other? Or think more like complementary? No, it's different because the Krav Maga, we teach the soldier. Tomer will talk about this because he teach uh, three years in the army, uh, Krav Maga. Krav Maga, you teach the guy to kill the other guy or to defend yourself. It's different. You take a knife, you take a gun, uh, you, you know, it's different. Jiu-Jitsu is a lifestyle, it's a sport. If you, if you do Jiu-Jitsu, you do to all your life. Krav Maga is to kill the guy or defend yourself. It's Total different, like you say, what is better, uh, soccer or uh, tennis? The two is ball, but it's different sport. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> no, it's well, really because different. you can argue that the Gracie family started jiu-jitsu saying that it was a self-defense uh, type of sport. So, so when you talk about self-defense, and there is actually a lot of Gracie that teach jiu-jitsu as a self-defense mechanism, right? Uh, yes, I see this a lot, but... Uh... I believe if you do any sport, even if you do boxing or wrestling, you can defend yourself against one guy who don't do sport. But uh, Krav Maga gonna give you uh, uh, to a regular guy who gonna do Krav Maga how to go out from uh, uh, sub defense, to go out to 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 survive, to attack one guy. But uh, if you put a, a someone which is a champion, who is a black belt, who is a super athlete. Sure, he's gonna beat one guy who trained two times per week at Krav Maga. It's even not fair. Mm -hmm. You understand? Yeah. Toma, what, what, what's what your take on that? Yeah, I mean, Amir kind of sums it up pretty well. I mean, uh, you know, if you take a Krav Maga expert again, uh, again uh, against uh, like a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt, and you put them in a street fight, then, you know, maybe the argument will be a bit different. But of course, when you when you take like a amateur uh, Krav Maga, like the one who do like twice a week, then, you know, how good can you be when you train twice a week for a year, you know, against like a professional, you know, professional martial artist, you know, martial arts, uh, at the end of the day, it's a martial art. But Krav Maga, if you, if you get good at it, it's basically kind of like the MMA of self-defense, kind of like their whole goal is primarily focused on self-defense in a, in a street slash a survival match, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's by using, you know, the tools around you, whether it will be like pencils or, or the chairs in a bar or glasses or, you know, stuff that you don't take into consideration when you train a traditional martial art with rules. Right, right. Right. But again, most of the most of the people who go and learn Krav Maga are do it for fun. They do it because they want to learn self-defense, but they also want to do some conditioning, some some sport, and then it becomes a sport for for. Does you know. Krav Maga training for regular people? Do they also do the similar of roles? Because in martial arts, not all martial arts they do sparring, right? Like in judo, you do randori, so it's a live sparring. In jiu-jitsu, you yeah. do rolling, which is a live sparring. You are actually doing the thing. In Krav Maga, do you do you have the same experience of doing live sparring? A good school of Krav Maga will do um, will incorporate, you know, some uh, some stand up uh, training, 
like regular boxing classes or Muay Thai classes, and some ground some ground fighting like Jiu Jitsu and 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 they also will focus their like uh, self defense as a whole, right? So they will do. I know some school they they will do like uh, knife simulation on the ground. Like when you get attacked on the ground, they have like mask and they have some protection gear, and they will do like light sparring or some scenarios like we do in the army. Um, but you wouldn't fight like with uh, with two knives yeah. like uh, like in a movie, right? <laughs> so so you would you would focus on you know building skills as a as a stand up game like like boxing and then some. Uh, ground game in jiu-jitsu and then incorporate all of these into the self-defense scenario that you're working on the same week let's say like two attackers or or a bar fight or knife defense yeah no uh, i understand and i i believe that the other thing that krav maga training i mean a good school will teach you is like you know uh environment awareness you know understanding the things around you and give you more perception of dangers I, i think that this is the another difference correct right 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 there, there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of in, um, ingredients that you don't see in other martial arts that you see in a Krav Maga um, classes like you said whether it will be you know using your voice you know to, to shout for help or you know using the environment to run away or to use it in, into your advantage like you know throwing sand into someone's eyes or or you know uh, throwing your watch or your bag into someone's face and then run away you know it's stuff that it's not a technique mm-hmm. but it's tactical, yeah right? yeah it's the best technique yeah. if, you, if you're in a fight don't fight a survival technique this is, is a survival best. technique yeah. yeah this is the best survival technique yeah no next yeah. time that i go to israel i i want you to to try uh krav maga for sure because uh no problem i take you i take you to a lot of places <laughs> Because one of the the main big masters of Krav Maga uh, is one of my students, so I can take you to to do a private class with him or everything what you nice, need. Nice, thank you. And Krav Maga doesn't really have a rank. Like you just have uh, belts. Krav Maga, you don't have ranks, do you? I think you have schools that do ranks. Um, yeah, like with belts, like black belt in Krav Maga, is that a thing? Yes, yes, yes. I yes. see some. Uh, yeah, I, call it, I think they call it expert one or expert two. They have like a different system for it. Mm. Like expert one is like a first degree black belt. And you talk. You said you you talk about the fact that they use this in the army. Do, you don't do yes. jujitsu in the army. Mm, uh for fun. Yeah, for fun. <laughs> like as a as, as a, a hobby. Like a, yeah, as a hobby. Like like when you do weightlifting, you have some. Jiu-jitsu classes for the fighters, but not 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 as a professional. Like, you don't want to go to the ground in the army. You're yeah. gonna die. That's a, a excellent point. Uh, Jiu-jitsu doesn't work when you have the vest and you have the gun on you and you have everything, the helmet and all. The maybe maybe gear. judo will work because it will throw the guy on the floor. No. <laughs> when you have like a seven kilo uh, vest on you with with you know with uh, with all the magazines and the guns yeah. and the knives. The helmet and a lot of those stuff goes out of the window because you're gonna lose your balance really quick. Um, so you use your weapon as a as a cold weapon, your your firearm. I mean, you use your your kicks or to to keep the distance. There's a lot of stuff that you use, but 
I wouldn't recommend anyone to go through the ground unless I need to um, sustain a suspect or something like that. And still, you're gonna use a bunch of guys. It's 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 never like one v one. You know, you know when you want to control like a like an insane or or like a drugged up you know terrorist, then you would it, it will take more than one guy yeah. to enforce stuff on one guy. Right. So you usually have like two guys aiming at him and then one guy that will, you know, um, sh- sh- instruct him what to do in order to, to not die and then get him into handcuff. There's a like a protocol for how to do that. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great point. And that's why I think, as you said, Krav Maga is way more effective uh, for, exactly. for soldiers. Uh, that have to deal with uh, those type of situations for sure. Uh, no, that's a uh, thanks for for the clarification and definitely looking forward to uh, to visit uh, Israel again and try try out. Um, uh, Amir, you said that you come into Dallas for the Dallas Open, is right? Yeah, we come uh, to Dallas Open with some of my guys, so I think it's uh, is a good time to see my guys in action. And you're gonna you're I gonna be coach or you're gonna compete also. No, no, I'm going to be coach. Maybe I compete, maybe. Uh, I'm already Master 4. <laughs> so maybe maybe I will compete. I'll be Master, f- I'll be uh, master be... 5 next year. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> old people, huh? <laughs> really. So we need... We need uh, I, I believe it's good for you to come to see my guys because I bring juvenile and I bring a purple belt, brown belt, and even a black belt uh, adults. So uh, you're going to see the Israeli team in action and I believe we're going to do a good result. Yeah, no, definitely. If I'm if I'm in Tau, I'm definitely going there uh, to, to, to see. I'm not sure if I'll, I'll compete, but I'm definitely uh, going to watch because it's actually... Let's say uh, let's, uh, we do uh, some trend together and uh, we're going to meet and go to eat something good in Dallas. Yes, absolutely. It'll be, it'll be fun for sure. Guys, uh, thank you very much for your time. It was a, such a great conversation. Thank you for taking the time uh, to to join Todaraba for both of you. <laughs> and, thank uh, you so much. And um, I, I hope to see you in Dallas, Amir. You're not coming, right, Tom? Are you? No, I'm. I'm staying here. I'm. I'm running the classes. Okay, cool. So maybe next time when I'm in Israel, uh, we can definitely uh, meet. Because I really miss uh, all my 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 friends in Israel, and most importantly, I miss a lot of the food. Because <laughs> I, I I need to take you when you arrive to Israel. Me and Tomer will take you to some special food, man, crazy food, crazy. I'm gonna take you to a meat place, to hummus place. Oh, hummus! Jeez. All the best place. The best hummus on earth. I'll tell you, one of the best hummus that I ever had when I went to Israel was in Nazareth because I went to Nazareth uh, and I had one of the best pita uh, with hummus there. It was really good. You yeah. will see when you come. You will see. You come 85 kilo, I bring you the 94. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Thank you, everyone. That's a wrap for today's episode. Stay tuned, we have much more to come.